0: Friends, you are listening to the Bad Blonde radio show on News Talk K E Y S 1440 AM and 98.7 FM Corpus Christi. And poor Aiden's on the struggle train. What were you doing in there, Aiden? <laughs> I gotta make sure there were shows that at least recorded. I can't even hear you, you're still struggling. Oh man. Oh, whatever. All right. Good job. You're wearing a majestic shirt. We love it. He somehow has to go like, hey, you're wearing the right shirt, too. He's got like hocks. And, stand up for me one more time. What was on there?
1: He's not a piece of meat. But he is. Don't treat he's, him he's like that. He's wearing like
0: this majestic eagle shirt, which is a good segue for me to talk about the celebration of flight that's going on at Hazel Baysmore Park today and tomorrow it's pretty epic. I'm going to go there right after the radio show. They have raptor, raptor presentations. You can go there, learn so much about the uh, bird-of-prey migration that goes on pretty heavily. I popped out there on Monday, and it was amazing. I got to see a ton of kettles of, of birds of prey, and that's what they're called, kettles, when they get up on those thermals, and they kind of go for a ride, and they're just swooshing around in the air. It's kind of like really majestic, you know? Yeah. Closing the door. <laughs> Chad, why are you having a wonderful day today?
1: Oh, it's just great to be here with you,
0: y'all. You should have seen the the <laughs> look on that face. All right, it makes me think that you don't mean it.
1: No, that was mostly,
0: mostly, mostly
1: Chad? serious. No,
0: you want to go to hawk? You want to go to celebration of flight with me?
1: Mm, I got some stuff to do.
0: Did you even notice I'm wearing my my hawk watch shirt? Hawk
1: watch. I got this for um, twenty
0: bucks. It's dope. Look at it. It's got a Harris hawk on the back of it. I mean, I'll post this shirt on uh, Instagram or my Facebook so y'all can see. It's 20 bucks. It goes to a very important, honestly, very important uh, organization. They send folks from around the U.S. to migration territories and and they count um, the birds of the different birds of prey that are coming through. And it's really important to, write, to keep an eye on that. It's kind of, it's the coolest thing ever. I wish I had that job because there's two different guys, young dudes that end up getting sent down here to Corpus every year to, to count hawks. How cool.
1: I love me some hawk for real. I mean, I like hawks. They're cool.
0: Okay. All right. I was like, that sounded, I couldn't tell if you were going to follow that up with a weird joke.
1: No. I mean, I'm, I'm glad love-
0: you didn't.
1: Dude pox I've, I've, Dude, wanted cool. I've wanted to be a falconer i've wanted to be a falconer I did forever. say that on the last one. forever it's like so cool they're they're awesome oh,
0: yeah. uh if you want to know more about the celebration of flight you can go on facebook or online i'm not sure if the website's updated but um the corp- the out i can't even talk right now the audubon outdoor club has all the information you can find them on facebook they got it going on so You should check that out. It's really family-friendly, and it's free, so it'd be rude to not check it out. Also, they're going to have, I believe my sources are correct, they're going to have uh, food trucks out there, Marty McPies, which is a really good pizza joint, so you should check it out.
1: Some pizza and some hock.
0: Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Uh,
1: No, but like, uh, when I go hunting, dove hunting, whatever, it's always awesome. When Just, you see a hawk yeah. working the field, majestic, going over and then nailing a dove or whatever, it's uh it's pretty cool.
0: It is majestic, like it is. Ooh, that nature! Nature's cool.
1: Yeah, they're they're amazing animals.
0: So, should we tell everybody what our topic is? Sure. You want to say his first name?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't remember.
0: Sorichio. Sorichio Honda. Okay, I probably shouldn't say that like that. I don't mean it to sound that way, but I really, it's not, Siritro does not come, the name doesn't come naturally to this South Texan mouth. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to name my first son.
0: Good for you on that. There you go. Kind of a big deal. I mean, Honda's gigantic. I'm not sure what the current numbers are, but it's been off and on one of the biggest motorcycle and automotive manufacturers in the world.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was looking through uh, American manufacturers who are tie over to as much as Honda does. And yeah. no there's nothing. Mm-mm. None of them do. True story. They don't even they don't even tie over in motorcycles really. No. Or or bleed over. So but Honda f- does that into that, airplanes, engines, all types of stuff.
0: All of it. And it you know, all was because there was a man that just wasn't going to stop. Wasn't going to quit. Homeboy just kept trying and trying regardless. So if anybody has any comments or questions or opinions, you can go ahead and text us at...
1: Uh... I lost my zip code. Eight eight two five three nine seven. Eight eight two K E Y S.
0: I'm gonna forward it back to. I'm you not chat sure so that how to get on it.
1: the the texty thing. We got it. Anyway, Honda is very impressive of what they have accomplished and done. Where a lot of American manufacturers are more focused solely on automobiles and stuff, he's really branched out and touched all types, all types of segments of uh, travel
0: yeah that for sure all right so should we do it should we jump into our i just sent you the link for the uh, text line we're gonna chat so they changed what how we do our texts and uh nobody would call chad and i early adopters or easy adopters we're like what oh we don't go to the same website <laughs> so maybe we'll get it this time i just forwarded it to you okay let's begin our story of soichiro honda honda I'm going to get stuck saying his first name weird like I when I couldn't stop saying Volkswagen. Um, I just feel it's coming on. Anyways, born the firstborn son to a bicycle repairman in a Weaver. Um, it wasn't that, it like if you think about the time period that was the in Japan, um, there was a lot of financial hardship going around. And he actually, they lost five of his siblings due to health issues and probably just malnutrition it would be at eight years old that Sochiro would come across a Ford Model T and become absolutely mesmerized with the automobile experience he said of the experience it was the first car I had ever saw what a thrill I could not understand how it could move under its own power when it driven past me without even thinking I found myself chasing it down the road as hard as I could run I feel like that is a common thing when cars were brand new. You just see like old videos of kids chasing him. I mean, that still happens if you like drive a car into a village that has not had automobiles. They're like, "What is this?"
1: Like those annoying dogs. They chase you. <laughs> they, they bark at <laughs> your car. They run by your car, barking. And you uh, think you're gonna yeah. run over them. They're just barr,
0: barr. now. Uh, from that point on, Satiro was obsessed with machinery fixing bicycles repairing farm equipment he was absolutely enthralled with all kinds of engines and there's been like quite a few different you know like big deals in the automobile industry that this is how they started they just had a love for machinery and engines and they would not stop tinkering with whatever they could get their hands on you know now as a child honda i'm just gonna say honda because soichiro is going to like, exhaust my mouth saying. So, Honda was absolutely ass- obsessed with machinery and he really wanted to not have to deal with school. He, in fact, he would avoid proper schooling as much as possible and try and sneak in and help his father at his bicycle repair business. At just 15, Honda would drop out of school and leave his family, traveling to Tokyo to work at one of the busiest mechanic shops in the city. If you're coming from a village and you're going to Tokyo, you're in for a big surprise.
1: Godzilla. (laughs) Uh,
0: In fact, it was an overwhelming moment for him. Going from a village to the city of Tokyo, he's like, what have I done? I am in trouble. And when Honda arrived, he would actually end up being very disappointed in the job he thought he was gonna go get. Uh, if it, apparently the shop owner just put him to work watching his kid like he had to just carry the shop owner's kid around and he wasn't learning about engines and he honda wasn't working on them and he also wasn't making any money and he did think about going back to the village but returning home though he con- contemplated it he had zero desire to go home and be a failure
1: now nah, you don't want that village laugh
0: no you don't want to walk back into the village a failure at all
1: not unless you have three chickens <laughs> in hand
0: now luck would have it the mechanic shop just couldn't keep up with the ever-increasing demand for business and eventually the shop manager was like all right you can you can go to work on me on the on actual mechanical tasks And he would gradually become one of the most trusted mechanics at the company. So the thing with that, that during this story that I've noticed the most about Honda is his perseverance. Like there was no setback. He wasn't just going to keep working through,
1: you know? And this was post-World War II, where uh, Japan had very limited resources for, no?
0: Not quite post-World War II. We're about to be post-World War
1: II. Why don't you tell me that?
0: Well, I kind of... Well, I, I'm I'm finishing my first cup of coffee, so you could see I it went through my brain when my eyes went like what? But it's post World War One, still fighting you know difficulties. But there would be we would we are about to hit in the story. We're in we're in World War
1: Two. All right, Give me to the right war.
0: Okay, all right, take your oh, let me get us there. <laughs> so at the time, like common folks. The uses and me's of the day did not own cars unless they were wealthy, and most of the cars that Honda was working on were not Japanese. Kind of Chad already pinpointed that but wrong war, war but um, it, uh, they were not in the most. It was right after World War One, so there was not, or it was not the the best. Of financial times but there were a few folks that were able to own american cars daimler packard mercedes-benz also european basically not a lot of them were japanese so you can imagine honda's ideas and uh ideas forms formed around automobiles was mostly european and american now soon honda would be introduced to the exciting world of racing there's a great Oh, is are we already at a break? I was just being able to talk normally. All right. I'm going to chug my coffee. We'll be back. Thanks for listening to the Bad Bone Radio Show. All right. <laughs> oh. You are back listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show. I didn't have enough time to chug my coffee. Was that like a really short break? Am I crazy? Am I just like a little crazy? Either way. Either way, we are back. If you're just now tuning in, we're talking about the man. The man of persistence. The man behind Honda. All right? So Chiro Honda was born into... Not quite dire situations, but not great situations. His, fa- his family of uh, a bicycle repairman and we- uh, weaver, without a doubt, faced financial hardships. But Saturo, at a young age, got to see an automobile, a Ford, and he said, you know what? That's going to be what I'm going to pursue for the rest of my life. And he went to work at a mechanic shop. And eventually, so the, at first at the mechanic shop, the owner said, you know what? You're not gonna get behind a you're not gonna get your hands on wrenches yet. Made him work, work, working. L- I cannot even talk this morning. Chad, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and just take the rest of the show for me.
1: <laughs> Honda made cars and other vehicles. <laughs> he enjoyed fishing.
0: Uh this is what I I need to drink my coffee before I even get here.
1: He enjoyed fishing. To being a Honda? Honda!
0: So he Honda. Anyways, back to what I was talking about. So when he went to, he thought he got his dream job, but he ended up actually just watching the kid of the mechanic shop owner. Eventually, he would be allowed to actually get his hands on the cars and start working in a mechanic shop. And then soon, he would be introduced to the exciting world of racing, all right? The shop owner would begin creating his own race cars with the help of his mechanics, including Honda. There's this like great quote from Henry Ford that says five seconds. Okay, let me get the quote right. Racing was born five seconds after the second car was created. And that was by Henry Ford. It's epic, it's exactly, It's that is 100% right on point regarding racing. Now their first race car would be the Art Daimler, built using a secondhand Daimler engine and soon they would create a second race car dubbed the curtis due to its second hand this is where it gets kind of cool it's got a second hand airplane engine in it pulled from an american curtis biplane that's cool they put it in a chassis from a mitchell all that's american like early amer i am mean, some of y'all are like what never heard of that um early american cars that probably didn't even make it out of the Either the, the depression or post World War um one or two. Now the Curtis would actually take first in the 1924 Japanese motor car championship, and uh, the race was a really formative experience for Honda as he performed as the ride along mechanic within the race. It was that race that made motorsports Honda's true love. That had to have been so fun. You're like the ride-along mechanic. You're going, going along back there. Racing was an entirely different sport then than it is now. You were like, odds yeah, of you so. dying were real high.
1: Odds of you dying? 90%.
0: <laughs> Seriously.
1: Uh, having to have a ride-along mechanic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally <laughs> different stuff. Like, That's how the mechanics got in with the rich guys who could afford to race. are like, well... My car is probably going to break down somewhere. I need some, you to. At some time during this race. So, yeah. So the mechanic got in and started to have to fix the car during the while, race. While you're running. On the side of the road, <laughs> the side of the racetrack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's safety, technology, uh, everything.
0: Back then, they didn't want to be seat belted in because it was.
1: Well, if you look at a lot of older pictures, I mean, there were no roll bars. Oh either. yeah. So your head was the roll bar.
0: Exactly. And also, well, they they thought it would. It's preferable to be. And it honestly, it sounds preferable preferable to be flung out of your car instead of like stuck in a burning inferno.
1: Yeah, and there were probably no fire trucks or crews uh, anywhere in the vicinity. Uh, so yeah. I mean, they I, they may be in like a. But you're talking about like a road course track. There was probably one fire truck. Yeah. And it's 20 miles back away from you or whatever, you know, whatever.
0: I think the idea of motorsports safety greatly improved after the 1955 tragedy at Le Mans, which we've covered a radio show on it, and it was horrible. Anyways, we digress. Now, two years later, uh, Honda would be drafted for military service, but he actually failed medical exams from being colorblind. Did you know that? So, Joe Honda was colorblind.
1: That's a good way to get out.
0: That seems like if you are going to try and fail, that's going to be the easiest one. What color is this? Yellow. Purple. Like, how do they test the the veracity of that? I don't know. Anyways. You got to believe it. (laughs) You got to trust people. Allowing him to return to the mechanic shop after he failed his medical exams, where an opportunity would soon present itself. This guy just keeps like okay we're about to hit a part where he just keeps hitting failure after failure but he just doesn't stop. Now the owner wanted to open uh, open the owner wanted to open another shop and he thought Honda would be the perfect fit to run the new branch. Now the first year of that major struggle. All right, they could only they couldn't afford to have any other workers so it was just just Honda working there and also a lot of people didn't want to take their cars there because they'd get there and they'd see honda as this you know super young like early 20s guy and they're like we don't trust this guy but soon it didn't take long to show his talent and his ability as a mechanic and people would that that would become one of the busiest shops they owned employing over 30 mechanics now while growing growing a successful business honda did not forget his love of racing and would prove himself a very talented driver. Inside his shop, he built the record-breaking Hamamatsu race car. Can you say that five times fast?
1: I'm sure I could. Let's hear it. Well, we're on, on
0: Hamamatsu. We're on a... Prof- Hamamatsu.
1: Professional radio show, I prefer not There's to nothing professional to the about The this. listener's time.
0: <laughs> oh, snap. Okay, don't let me forget, I got to mention Oktoberfest uh, when we come back from our next break. Now, Ham- the Hamamatsu race car that he drove, to he broke a Japanese record that it stood for 20 years reaching 120 miles per kilometer. Did I say that right? No. Cl- no, I mean no. Kilometers per hour. Kilometers per hour. That's where I was going with that.
1: Which is like... <laughs> High 90s. <laughs> I was high 90s miles per hour yeah 100
0: miles okay that's good uh, apparently that was the for 20 years that record stood and he broke it now uh-oh honda would also almost die at, like we, chad and i were just discussing this dude motorsports back then was dangerous he almost died in the hamamatsu during a race in 1936 so th- this is even before yeah this is we, we got three years before World War II, Chad. You wanted me to keep help you keep updated on that. <laughs> but that didn't stop him. Only four months later, after the serious crash, Hamamatsu, the Hamamatsu... Wait. After the serious crash in his Hamamatsu, he would be back behind the wheel racing. Um, but that wouldn't last very long. Apparently, his wifey was not into him racing. And he would eventually, after a lot of arguing he would finally give in and quit racing. But Honda was ambitious and he wanted more. He wanted to begin manufacturing car parts. And he branched out while he was still working at the mechanic shop. He branched out to open his own company manufacturing piston rings. Uh, He founded the Tokai Seiki Heavy Industry. Which is a funny name, but anyways. He was, like I said, he was still working at the mechanic shop but then working on pistons at night. And, uh, it was not going very well at all. And Honda kind of knew it too. I mean, like he just didn't have the uh, knowledge to create quality piston rings. So he enrolled in school. He started going to um, roll in the Hamamatsu Industrial Institute to improve his knowledge of metallurgy. Finally, in 1939, he would successfully create a working piston. And with that success, he left the mechanic shop entirely to pursue his dream. But like I said, 1939, World War II is about to start. All right, guys, we got a little break. Stay tuned, listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show. my friends you are listening to the bad blonde radio show on news talk keys we were talking about the man behind honda we're talking about sweet honda really just a man that would not quit all right he he's First love, he saw a Model T driving down um, somewhere in some little village in Japan, fell in love with it, chased it, realized that was his dream, and he just didn't stop tinkering with engines, soon to create pistons, and then eventually scooters, and then automobiles. So, and
1: airplanes.
0: Yeah. Although I think he may have already retired by then, but I don't really know. I kind of stopped once he retired from Honda on this, on our storyline. All right. So finally, so he had been working at his mechanic, at the mechanic shop during the day. He was trying to create piston rings at night, like even enrolled in an industrial institute to try and improve his knowledge. Um, And finally he would, he would, after leaving his mechanic shop entirely to pursue his dreams things weren't entirely perfect his work and products were still flawed get this toyota reached out and was like hey we want to read we want to purchase some pistons he sent 50 of them to honda only three passed their quality tests
1: he sent them to toyota
0: yeah yeah oh what did i say He's Honda. <laughs> he is Honda. Honda sent him Toyota. But he wasn't thwarted. He was like, you know what? I can do better. So he dove deeper into research to better improve his knowledge of manufacturing. And soon he would perfect his product. All right. And he
1: was doing this basically in a garage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, with a quality product, Honda would soon see orders flowing in. And he grew the company to 2,000 people. Now, while the future looks so bright, soon things would take a hard break when Japan joined the Pacific War in 1941. And Honda's company would be taken from him and put under the control of Ministry of Munitions. That sounds
1: pretty bad. It sounds explosive. Yeah.
0: Now, soon after, Toyota would snag 45% of the company and downgraded Honda from president to senior managing director. See, things just keep going bad for this guy. Things continued to get worse as many employees were drafted into military service. But then it got even more worse, all right? As we know, the states weren't playing around after Pearl Harbor, and Honda's company was struck by a bomb completely destroying the factory. Twice. Yeah. Plus, an earthquake happened. So, like, basically, Honda lost, as soon as he was kind of on top of things, lost it all.
1: Basically, the world hated Ichiro Honda.
0: Yeah, poor guy. (laughs) He lost everything, and he decided to just sell the remainder of his company to Toyota. And honestly, things were not great post-Japan, or post-World War II in Japan. Food and gas shortages, the economy was in turmoil, and it was during these hard times that honda came across a military wireless radio generator he pulled that thing apart played with it figured out how it ran and then thought to himself what if we put this on a bicycle so that 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 entirely wasn't that novel of an idea to obviously to put a motor or an engine on a bicycle but with the with basically The entire, all of Japan in need of cheap transportation, what he saw was an opportunity. And he was just trying to find these cheap little generators across Japan and pluck them on bicycles. And soon his first motorized bicycles became a total hit, all right? With such demand and fewer and fewer engines to be found, he was like, I'm going to have to make my own engine. And he was capable of that. In 1947, Honda completed the Type A engine. And so that would be also the first time we saw the name Honda on a machine.
1: A machine.
0: On a machine. like And now we see Honda on a whole lot of machines. This was technically the beginning of the Honda Motor Company. How about that?
1: You will see Honda on more internal combustion engines than any other person. Dang. They make the most engines of anybody in the world.
0: I believe it. I believe it. So he had a good product and he had a mission to get Japanese workers on affordable transportation. But what he didn't have was the moolah to expand. So Honda devised a plan and he sent an open letter to 18,000 bicycle stores. Now, he actually received a fair amount of responses. He got 3,000 positive responses and orders allowing Honda Motor Corporation to produce their first full motorcycle, the Model D. The Model D was not a huge sales success. Why? Because it was kind of hot. It weighed a lot. Which, you, you, like it's like, man, you just think he's about to hit it. Then he's like, oh, not so much. But the thing about him is he didn't quit. He was not thwarted. And he Honda basically stripped down the Model D and created The Super Cub.
1: Which is technically, or basically, if anybody's familiar with it, the Honda Passport scooter, which is, I believe, the largest selling uh, transport, whatever the word would be. Yeah. uh, Human mover ever, (laughs) ever in the world. They're still making them in China. Let's
0: call it a human mover for that is human our official mover. word of the show.
1: Human mover. India still makes them. They've sold like over 130 million. Yeah. Honda Passport scooters. And they're they're still we have I have one. We have three actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're awesome little cruisers that are just I mean you can't Why really... stop at 3? I mean I'm down. I'm, I need to get <laughs> my one i have one the other people have three but or two. anyway it's love it this is the uh most made human mover ever in the world and i think it's like got a big deal 120 million units still being made oh yeah in india china uh the parts of middle east pakistan whatever and yeah. probably parts of south america
0: oh totally And like Chad said, basically the Super Cub, an immediate success. It actually won in Japan, it won the Emperor's Prize, which is a national decoration. I was like, what is an Emperor's Prize? And then I went on a little rabbit hole checking that out. So then in 1958, the States would get their hands on the Super Cub for a whopping $295. At the time, that was half the price of most American motorcycles of the time. So you could imagine... People went ape for the Super Cub. And naturally, Honda wanted to participate in motorcycle racing. Uh, As we had already mentioned earlier on, motorsports was a passion of his. He almost died in a crash. And so his wife said, no more racing for you. And he did give it up. But he wasn't going to give up creating cars or motorcycles to race in. Now, as the old adage goes to, why why do automotive or motorcycle manufacturers want to participate in racing? Because... If you win on Sunday, you sell on Monday. Racing was and continues to be one of the biggest platforms for companies to show off their their machines. You know what I mean? Now, in 1959, Honda would take the manufacturer's team prize at the Isle of Man TT. And then they'd follow up to win the race, which put the name Honda in motorcycle racing history forever. Now, in the 1960s, Honda would become the biggest motorcycle company in the world, producing 10 million motorcycles by 1968. What is their, are they the number, are they the largest automobile manufacturer today? Is that what I know?
1: Toyota is. Toyota. But Honda is the largest. Third, maybe. Well, they're the largest. Anything? They make uh, motorcycles. Toyota doesn't make motorcycles. They make. Uh, lawnmowers, weed eaters. They, Honda is branched out way from it, all these other companies. Smart. So they're the largest engine manufacturer in the world for yeah. all their different fields.
0: Clever. That is clever. Now, it would be in 1963 that Honda would begin its long and well-known U.S. campaign that I bet, ever, I'll bet a lot of people that are listening hurt know what I'm about to say. It was the campaign... You meet the nicest people on a Honda. And so get this. The idea had actually been purchased by an advertisement company from a kid at UCLA who had created it for an assignment. Isn't that funny? I wonder if that kid's like, uh, he should have just shot first. I mean, I wonder what they paid him. All right. Because that's got to be one of the best motorcycle campaigns, uh, marketing campaigns that have ever happened. The campaign really was the first domino to mark the drop of dominance in domestic and British motorcycle brands and the rise of popularity of Japanese brands within the US. And it wouldn't be long after that, that Honda would pursue his childhood dream and announce that Honda would start producing automobiles, which was really, that was his goal to to hit there the whole time. It was kind of also a bit risky. It was a risky venture. At the time, Nissan and Toyota were major titans of Japanese auto manufacturing, and many thought Honda should just play it safe and stick to motorcycles. Even the government told him the country didn't need another car manufacturer. (laughs) They're like, no, we don't. That's fine. Stick to motorcycles and scooters.
1: And they have, to me, overshadowed as yeah overshadowed, nissan at least
0: oh yeah i would agree
1: and toyota in, in ways toyota yeah. is has mass production but honda's racing pedigree yeah and history is way suppresses toyota which toyota aside from nascar really doesn't Race. have anything
0: yeah true story true story now honda would put out this is i love this little thing honda would their first thing they'd put out was a t360 mini truck I want one of them's they're freaking adorable and then they would put it The neither of them did very well then they would put out their first sports car the s500 like I said neither really hit big in sales whatsoever but they were super cute and I think the s500 sports car is like the the lowest production Honda ever they didn't make many I want to get my hands on one of them. Now, during this time, Honda would be making their name an F1. And they took first at the 1965 Mexican Grand Prix. Sounds pretty cool. But Honda would realize they needed to be focusing on sales. And instead of winning trophies. And Honda would take a break from racing to create one of the most successful vehicles ever. Anybody got a guess what that car is?
1: I'm going with the Accord. Close. Civic.
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> the Honda Civic, what like literally one of the most successful vehicles vehicles ever. Debuting in 1972, the Honda Civic within the next few years became one of the most popular cars in the world. And really part of the success was timing, all right? 1970s oil crisis. How about that? And also Honda created the Compound Vortex Controlled Combustion Engine. Bam. Pow, pow, pow.
1: How do you like that internal vortex?
0: Compound Vortex Controlled Combustion.
1: Yeah. How
0: about that? that All right. And let me know. We got a little break. We will be back on the Bad Blonde Radio Show. Hello, hello, my friends. You are back listening to the Bad Blood Radio Show. And if you're just now tuning in, we're talking about the man behind Honda. And I have just finished my last sip of coffee, and I think I can talk now. I think at the very final part, I am able oh, yeah. to form sentences. How about that?
1: We're running all, all uh, cylinders now.
0: Every cylinder. This is good stuff. All one. All oh, yeah, yeah. I, I am like, I am like a BMW iSetta. I ain't got many cylinders, that's for sure. All right. So we are talking about the man behind Honda that just kept hidden roadblock after roadblock, but wasn't thwarted. He has created, finally able to branch out on his own, create the Super Cub, which we know in the States is the Honda Passport. And he has finally created his own automobiles. And the Honda Civic was one of the most successful vehicles ever. All right. So in 1973, Honda would retire, saying of his work, I like this quote a lot. When I, when I was reading it, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what happened to you. He said, looking back on my work, I feel that I was doing nothing more than mistakes, blunders, and serious omissions, but I am proud of the achievements. Although I did one, I did one mistake after the other, my mistakes and failures never occurred for the same reason.
1: Me and, uh, me and Sotiro have a lot in common.
0: No, man, I, I, see, you ma- I uh, see you making the same mistakes. I
1: just haven't hit the success yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Soon, Honda would release the Accord, and it would become one of the best-selling sedans in automotive history. And with, the, the honestly, the success of the Civic and, and the Accord, Honda became the third largest producer of cars in Japan And quickly following that, in the 90s, it became the third biggest car company in the world. How about that? That's very humble beginnings for what would become the man behind one of the biggest car, scooter, and motorcycle brands in the world.
1: Godzilla. Whoa, whoa.
0: I think my favorite part is when he he sent over 50 pistons to Toyota, and they were like, dude, only three of these were good enough. And I think Honda at that point really had to think, think, think his life over. At that, <laughs> he's like, "I gotta, I gotta get this right."
1: Interest, interestingly, yeah, Honda is the most successful car maker of all time at the Indy Five Hundred.
0: That is cool. I they mean, they've won more races,
1: deal. had more starts, and completed more laps than any other car maker. Before it, they've won twelve Indy Car Manufacturers Championship titles. They've won 10, and uh, depending on when this was written, 10 uh, Indianapolis 500s, uh, more than any other automaker, and uh, have dr- driven a total of 50,000 laps completed at the Indy 500.
0: That's kind of a big deal.
1: All since
0: 1994.
1: Wow. So Honda, like unlike Toyota, we were talking kind of, has has jumped into I think F one they've oh, been yeah. involved in uh, Indy, uh, Le Mans and stuff where Toyota really hasn't hasn't gone into the racing uh, field so much.
0: No, that's a good point. You're right. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So this is not at all on topic regarding Honda, but it is. Something I am curious that any of our listeners have ever heard of before. So I was uh, at like this campaign party or whatever, and I we're having a conversation. We're talking about the dirt speedway, and there's this lady I'm talking to, and she says that she used to go out there when she was younger, met her ex-husband out there, and uh, that there was a thing called and text in if you've heard of this, okay? Train car, train car racing, okay. So basically, there's three cars connected together. The first one's the engine. Nothing that nothing's going on. There's just a drive. The first one's the engine with the driver. The middle one is just a driver, and the last one is the brakes and the driver. Has anybody heard of that? Mm. Have you heard of that?
1: I don't even know how, how that works.
0: I don't either. Well, she said it was a thing. I've never. That was the first time I've heard of it. It's... Well,
1: the first car would have to be the brakes. So you described it backwards.
0: Okay, but... I could have said, yeah, I could have. I had. had I car, was already. I was the already. First a car would have to it. be the
1: brakes. The rear car would have to be the engine.
0: But really, though,
1: because you can't. If the first car is the engine, it just drives away from the other cars.
0: No, they're connected. I
1: don't know. They're well, connected. And what's the point of being in the middle car?
0: You just you have to drive it. You yeah. have to steer it. I don't know. I've never heard of this. It's has, so, so I know that there's somebody who used to be out there on those, uh, at the dirt tracks. And text us if you've heard of this at 361-882-5397. It's
1: hillbillies with too train much too Train car
0: time. racing?
1: Yeah. Oh, train I race. see
0: it. There, it's there. It's called train car racing. It's where, okay, the first, yeah, I was right. The first car has the engine and steering. The middle car has nothing but wheels. And the third car has the brakes. You bolt three cars together, hence the train. I, I mean, I've never heard of it. I've never seen it, but it sounds like a okay, good so it time. It only has
1: two vehicles, two drivers.
0: Okay, I, I. She told me there was a th- another the one front, in the middle.
1: The middle guy, the car is just.
0: Hey, I, what I'm saying is, I am no expert in train car racing. There's
1: all. <laughs> I mean, if you want to look at Goofy racing and anything, I do. Will, I'm gonna
0: watch videos. People will invent anything. Well, there. Yeah, there's.
1: And it's like uh, watching...
0: Lawnmower racing.
1: Yeah. Barstool... Barstool, barstool sports? Barstool... Uh, or oh. ice chest racing. Yeah. I, don't, I mean...
0: Uh, well, people I...
1: People will de- create anything.
0: I'm a fan of the uh sandbelt racing that goes on at the gaff. Oh, hey. We're about almost forgetting. So, guys, if you are looking for stuff to do today, you got the celebration of flight going on at Hazel Baysmore. That's super family-friendly. What also is family-friendly is octoberfest having a happening at the noasis brewing company free to attend super cool so what i'm going to do is i'm going to head out to the celebration of flight at hazel baysmore park you can find out more information on it on facebook at the audubon outdoor club and from there after i i, I even like i got my binoculars packed like i am ready to identify and check out some migrating bird of prey after that i'm going to go directly to noasis brewing because i need a cold beer I'm gonna need a cold beer Chad yeah. do you want do you want to come with me to the bird watching platform?
1: um that's a yes I'm volunteering at a thing.
0: Oh my God, that's so that's so nice of you. So what is also cool, guys, is at the Celebrational Flight, um, I think today it was at 10.30 a.m., but it's also going to be at 3.30 a.m. This is a really cool one to take your kids or your grandkids, whatever. They ha- are going to be having like a raptor presentation. I think my favorite part about it is there's a kookaburra, and a kookaburra is considered like a bird of prey. I think they eat, you know.
1: Aren't they scavengers?
0: Yeah, which counts. Uh, but- If you have ever seen a kookaburra kook in, like, real time, like, in, you know, like, you're sitting right by there, there's nothing better than when they laugh. It is hilarious. So, anyways, let's go. I just needed to mention that because they're kind of really fun events going on. And uh, let's get back to talking about train car racing, which apparently is a whole thing.
1: Which apparently we're doing. I'm going to be the engine.
0: I'll be the middle car.
1: Yeah, that's what I would put you in, honestly.
0: All right, we got a guy named Tim texting in. He said, yeah, I used to see the train car racing out on the dirt speedway all the time when I was uh, in my early 20s. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I wonder who else. Like, that has got to be a memory that other people are familiar
1: with. They do a lot of weird racing in that, uh, especially in the dirt track and stuff. No rules. And they start doing the, what, what demolition not the derby, but what do they call it? The fi- the figure eight, where you're kind of crossing your paths.
0: Uh, I don't know what it's called. I'm not so sure.
1: It's like a figure eight track, but you're everybody's crossing each other's path, coming through. So you're like wrecked sometimes.
0: Oh, it sounds dangerous. Going fast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening to the Bad Ball Radio Show. We're here every Saturday at ten a.m.